I, I really believe the Holy Spirit guides the worship team as they're preparing what songs to use. And there was this one phrase in there really grabbed me, holiness is Christ in you. That goes right along with my message today. So thank you to all the team for sharing with us. Back on the table, you'll see a card like this. How many remember My Brother's Keeper First Picnic? You've been part of it over at Crossroads over the years. This is coming up March the 9th at 6.30. Only this year it will not be at Crossroads. It's going to be at the Grace Community Church in Willow Street. And so I'm hoping that we can have a van load go down from the church here. Pick up a card. You all the information's on there. And you can also use this as a prayer request. Be praying for uh, my brother's keeper. And so if you'd like to go talk to us in the office, and we'll be having some tickets sent to us, I understand. From time to time, uh, I am blessed in unusual ways as your pastor. And this morning is another one of those occasions. I found a card laying on my Bible up here in the seat, and I want to read it to you. It says, Dear John and Faith, Thank you for the birthday card, and thank you for being our pastor. I love you both. Love, Sharice. Thank you, dear. I'm going to treasure that. And then she has a picture here. Matt, you'd love this. It's a little guy standing out in the grass. The sun is shining, and the clouds are in the air. Spring is in the air. <laughs> Picking on you, brother. <laughs> Amen. Well, isn't God good? All the time. God is good. Praise the Lord. So good to see the Martins with us again. They were world travelers there for a little bit, but thank the Lord God brought them home safely. And uh, I'm anxious to hear the story from them. I think Galen came to the office and I was out over that period, but I want to hear your story, Galen. <laughs> All right, let's turn in our Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 3. If you want to use the Pew Bible, it's page 817. I like to read from the New King James, but I have no problem with the NIV. I was almost tempted to use that, but I stuck with what I had here because what's out on the sign, a living epistle, you don't find the word epistle in the NIV, it's letter. But I, as I go into the message, I'll try to explain that. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, we're going to read the first six verses. 2 Corinthians 3, beginning to read now at verse 1. Do we begin again to commend ourselves? Or do we need, as, others, as some others, epistles of condemnation from you, commendation to you, or letters of commendation from you? You are our epistle or letter, written in your hearts, known and read by all men. Clearly, you are an epistle or letter of Christ, ministered by us, written not with ink, but by the Spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of flesh, that is, of the heart. And we have such trust through Christ towards God, not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think of anything as being from ourselves, but our sufficiency is from God who also made us sufficient as ministers of the new covenant, not of the letter, but of the spirit, for the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. Lord, we thank you for your word to us today. And as we often pray, 
Oh, how we need the Holy Spirit to illuminate this truth to our hearts and minds. Speak through me and then take that truth to our hearts to be challenged to be more like Jesus, to be living letters, living epistles in the day in which we live, seen and read by men. Lord, what do they see? Oh, I trust that they see Jesus. So help us now as we're challenged together as we share from your word and we thank you for what you're doing. In Jesus' worthy name we pray. And everyone said, amen, amen. <clears throat> Have you ever had anyone tell you that you reminded them or you acted or looked like a letter or an email or a text? <laughs> well, that's what the Apostle Paul is using as his imagery here in this passage of scripture. He said that we all, are an epistle or letter read of all men. I ran across this one time. I read where four clergymen were discussing the merits of different biblical translations, and there's many. One admired the King James Version for its beautiful language and poetic value. The second stated that the Revised Standard Version, in his opinion, was the most accurate. The third liked the New International Version for its up-to-date vocabulary. The fourth was silent for a bit. And then he announced he liked his mother's best of all. Well, they were amazed and said, we didn't know your mother was a scholar and uh, translated the Bible. Oh, yes, came the reply. She translated it into life and it was the most convincing translation I ever saw. Friends, the question comes to all of us. What do others see in our life? Our children see us for whom we are and what we are. But not only our families, our church, our community, at the workplace. They read us and they know us. And so what do they see? Are we a letter or a soul of love, kindness, patience? Or are we selfish, self-centered, and critical? My prayer is that the Holy Spirit would help each one of us today to examine our hearts and see what God sees. When we find ourselves in trouble, how often do we question the other guy's standing? And say, well, what about so-and-so? I'm really not as bad as they are. You know, there's coming a day when every one of us is going to stand before God. And we're going to stand by ourselves. No one's going to be with us. And that searchlight of heaven will be on us. And we'll answer for those things, give account of what we did, whether good or bad. So I'd like to take some time this morning, dear ones, to have us to be challenged to look within ourselves. Forget that other one or that other brother or sister, but in ourselves and ask God to show us, portray to us what he sees in our hearts. The Holy Spirit would have us to be what? A living letter or epistle to the glory of God. In 2 Corinthians 5, verse 20, 
Apostle Paul says, we implore you in Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. I appreciate it so much, Mike, Brother Mike's prayer this morning. Revival will only come as we humbly seek for it and ask God to start in our own heart. There can be no salvation or abundant life to the believer apart from that super supernatural work of the blessed Holy Spirit. He is the executive member of the Godhead, the Trinity. And so in seeking, we must honor his position. He's the administrator of the affairs of his church. Now, I'm talking about the church the world over, God's church. We read in John 15, verse 26, that when the comforter is come, whom I will send unto you of the Father, he shall testify of me. Those are Christ's words. It's the work of the comforter to bear witness to Jesus. He reveals Christ to glorify him in our lives. And we'll never really know Jesus except by the revelation of the Holy Spirit. You hear me pray quite often, and I did it to, again today, how we need the Holy Spirit to be the illuminator of his word to us. He's our teacher. He brings to our hearts truth, and we can apply it to our soul. So not only does the Spirit reveal Christ, he also forms that indwelling Christ in our hearts and minds. Our Redeemer promised, I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. Aren't you thankful the Holy Spirit came and is in the world today? Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. He would come and he's as Christ's representative. One put it this way, and I, I like what he said. He said, the person of the Holy Spirit is now the vice regent of Christ. The person of the Holy Spirit is now the vice regent of Christ. And so when the comforter comes, he forms within the believer the living Christ. Paul prays for the saints there at Ephesus to be strengthened by his spirit and power, penetrating to the most inmost part of our being. To what purpose? To what purpose? Well, we turn to Ephesians 3 and we, I believe, find the answer. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love may grasp how wide, how long, how high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasseth all knowledge. That you may be filled to the measure of all, all the fullness of God. That is the secret there, friends, of all practical holiness. We can never attain to a true living, holy living by our own efforts and striving. It has to be the Holy Spirit working in and through us. And it comes by our surrendering to him, allowing him to form that indwelling Christ within Oh, friends, I don't want to hold back anything. Do you? I want to give it to the Lord and say, Lord, I don't want anything to, in my life to hinder the work of the Lord. 
May the Holy Spirit make us dead to self and to pride. I think these are two key areas that hinder so many times the work of the Lord in our Christian walk. It hinders us from being the witness that Jesus would have us be. May God forgive us and cleanse us. I challenge you to seek God. Ask him to form in you and shape in you the image of Christ himself. And then as you yield your will, your all to him, holding nothing back, then he makes you into a vessel of honor to his glory, not to us, to his glory. We used to sing that beautiful hymn, Old to be like thee. How many remember that out of the red hymn? Well, sure, a lot of you. That second verse, the, the songwriter points out several traits of Jesus. And if we want to be like him, we need to ask ourselves, are we full of compassion, loving, tender, and kind, helping the helpless, cheering the fainting, seeking the wandering sinner to find? If we're not living like that, then there's something wrong somewhere. The end of the message, I often say to you, anyone would like to come forward and pray, I invite you to do that. It's at times like that that the Holy Spirit is moving among us and is speaking to our hearts. I can't look within your heart and know what you're thinking, know what your attitude or what you did or this or that, but God can. And the Holy Spirit is so faithful. When you feel the tug of the Holy Spirit, obey and move. Don't grieve him. Because when we grieve him and ignore the nudge of the Holy Spirit, those are times, I believe, we allow self and pride to rise up, to rule over against what God would have for us. So the Holy Spirit is not only the agent of sanctification, he also is the divine helper in those times, a ministry of intercession. He comes to the aid of our weakness. When we feel that heavy weight of a burden, but it's just we can't seem to form the words in prayer. I'm sure you're familiar with the scripture there in Romans 8, 26 and 27. says, likewise, the spirit helps in our weaknesses. For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. See, God who can, can read our hearts knows well the intent of the Holy Spirit. For indeed, it is according to the mind of Christ that he makes intercession for the saints. And we see a lost and dying world around us. And that certainly was made evident, wasn't it, on Wednesday? The hatred and the cruelty that is in the heart of man. I wept and I prayed for those 17 families that have an empty chair around their table. I think, how could something like this happen? Of course, you get on Facebook and everybody has their opinion and reason. But I think the bottom line, it's a hard issue. We need revival in America, folks. Are you praying for it? Are you believing? I am one pastor that believes in the last days God is going to pour out his spirit in a new way. 
How it's going to happen, I don't know. I leave that up to him. But, oh, I pray that many would come to Christ. It may be through persecution. We don't know. But we are living in a lost and dying world. When It's not all out there, though, is it? We have needs right here among our own church body. Our hearts are burdened and heavy. But in John 14, verse 16, we read how comforting it is to know that we have a heavenly paraclete is the one who comes right alongside of us to help in ministry. I could not continue pastoring if I didn't believe that verse. It has to be God helping us. Jesus had accomplished the greatest work possible. He raised people from the dead. But did you ever think about it when Peter went out and preached on the day of Pentecost? How many came to faith that day? Tell me. 3,000 souls. That's more than Jesus had in his whole ministry. But didn't he say that my followers, my disciples are going to do greater things than these? He is our counselor and helper. The Holy Spirit comes alongside of us to energize our prayers. So it's not only in the Christian walk that we need him, but we need him every day, do we not, in Christian service. And we just sang that song, oh, I need you every day. If we try to work up a passion for the lost, it can only maybe be mere emotion. It takes the power of the Holy Spirit to come, give the light in our soul, and to draw the unsaved to Jesus that are lost in the darkness of sin. The Holy Spirit, our intercessor, gives the real burden for souls. When was the last time you wept for souls? If it's been a while, then you need to fall on your knees and start praying. We need the help of the Holy Spirit. I, as your pastor and other preachers, we can preach till we're blue in the face, but without the help of the Holy Spirit, it's ineffective. We need the power of God through the Holy Spirit. Listen to the words in 1 Timothy 1.5. Because our gospel came to you not simply with words, but also with power, with the Holy Spirit and with deep conviction. You see, there is Paul reasoning. He's teaching the Thessalonians uh, for three weeks, opening the scriptures to them. And these new Christians not only believe what they heard, they left the idols behind and turned to God. I say praise the Lord. That's what we need to see. Paul knew that it depended upon the power of the Holy Spirit to take the message to the heart. Not any eloquent preaching on his part could do it. I realize that apart from the convicting power of the Holy Spirit, no one would turn to Christ. You don't just get up one morning and say, okay, Ted, today I'm going to become a Christian. It doesn't work that way. The Holy Spirit begins to convict you and draw you, and then you seek God. Saints, do you see how important it is to be praying when someone's standing behind the pulpit preaching? That is so, so important. We depend upon your prayers for conviction to fall upon needy hearts. None of us ever came to Jesus without first being drawn by the Holy Spirit. So thank the Lord for his faithfulness to all of us who have an open heart. Oh, I believe God wants to do greater works among us. 
Let's get out of the way and let him work. How about it? I'm preaching about being a disciple, a living letter before and read of all men. I like how Peter puts it there in 1 Peter 2, 9 and 10. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, who once were not a people, but now the people of God, who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Praise the Lord. As believers, we are adopted into God's family, set apart for his work. We're pilgrims and strangers here in this world, seeking a heavenly kingdom. Yesterday, I was visiting with uh, Jesse and Wilma, and a knock came to the door. Well, I said, I see a car pulling in their drive, a little white car. They didn't recognize who it would be, so I said, I'll go to the door for you. Here's this nice young couple there. Turned out to be a brother and a sister. And I had my suspicions, perhaps, who they were. But I opened the door. We chatted a little bit. And uh, he read some scripture. He said, do you, do you believe that? Oh, yes. I said, I, I believe the scriptures. And I said, I'm pastor. I live in the next house. Oh, well, we were going there next. So we'll talk to you here. Well, we went on our little discussion. And he said, what most important theme do you see throughout the scriptures? Well, I thought for a minute, I feel the most important thing is the gospel of Jesus Christ, that all men are saved. And so I told him, I said, Jesus took my place, went to the cross, shed his blood, and without that, there's no way I can ever get to heaven. Well, that's good, that's good. But don't you see about the kingdom? That's the second time I've been approaching. I want to talk about the kingdom. And he said, new things are going to soon happen. I said, oh, yes. I said, we're living in the last days, and Jesus is coming back for his bride, the church. <clears throat> yes, yes, okay, well, we'll see you. Take care, and they left. I never did ask them who they were, what they represented, but there is an opportunity, friends, in love we can share. Jesus, that's what it's all about. Praise the Lord. Jesse said, who was that? I said, I really don't know. <laughs> it's the guy and his sister. And they were nice people. But I, I prayed, I said to them, and my prayer is that someday I'm going to see you in heaven with me. All right, we'll see you. Take care. The Holy Spirit takes the message to the heart. And it's not, as I said, eloquent preaching. So as believers, we are adopted into the family. Revelation 1, 6, John says, And hath made us kings and priests unto God his Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Wow, what an assignment. What a responsibility we have. An opportunity to be equipped as his ministers in the world in which we live today. And again I say, oh, how we need the anointing of the Holy Spirit upon every one of us every day, every day. If Jesus needed it for his ministry, we surely do. We surely do. May we never be presumptuous to think that we can do it in our own strength, that we can accomplish something by ignoring this baptism of the Holy Spirit. 
And so we need to ask ourselves the question, is Jesus my Savior? And I'm sure we'd all say amen. But then question two right on back of that is, is he Lord of your life? That's most important. I fear in evangelical church today that there has been a shifting away from the example of the early church. I want to share some stirring words that were spoken by someone who had a wealth of experience. And this is what he said, I quote, Today the Holy Spirit as is, is as truly available and as mighty in power as he was on the day of Pentecost. But has the whole church ever since the days of Pentecost put aside other work and waited for him for 10 days that the power may be manifested? Has there not been a source of failure here? We've given too much attention on methods and machinery and too little to the source of power, the blessed Holy Spirit. Friends, I believe those words are as up to date as when Hudson Taylor shared them over 100 years ago in New York. He was one of the greatest missionaries in recent history. So let's join together Will you join me as your pastor to pray that God would have his right away and move in our congregation? As the worship team is now coming again, I invite any and all who feel they want to come and pray and draw closer to the Lord to do just that. Come and